Welcome to Our Shoreline, Your Horizon, a podcast by Dan Casey, featuring business and economic development news from St. Clair County, Michigan. Stretch your horizons in the beautiful shoreline communities of St. Clair County, home to one of the nation's busiest international border crossings. Learn more at edascc.com. Hello, I'm Dan Casey with the Economic Development Alliance of St. Clair County, Michigan, and welcome to the EDA's Our Shoreline, Your Horizon podcast where we explore economic development trends, St. Clair County communities, and interesting companies. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Jackie Spicer, who is the president and CEO of Baker College. Thanks for being here today. As I record today's podcast, this is going to be EDA's Economic Growth Luncheon, where we give out our 2023 Impact Report and Economic Investment Awards. And so we're excited to have you as our keynote speaker, and you're going to be talking about transformation learning to pivot, and adapting and implementing change for continued success. So that's a pretty heavy topic, but entirely appropriate for the business community. And it seemed like a great opportunity to hear from you about all of the things that have happened at Baker College over the last few years. There's been a lot of transformation occurring. I know it's been painful. It can be painful, certainly. It affects people. Sometimes those people are longtime employees. But that's all part of it, right? You're making that change for a reason. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm curious about where we go from here also with Baker College because you make those changes for a reason. So that's the general topic that we're going to be discussing today. And thanks again for joining me. My pleasure, Dan. It's, it's great to be here. I'd like you to first tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and what led you to become the president of Baker College. Uh, certainly. I, it's sort of a long story, but not I guess not that long. I initially wanted to be an accountant. So I went to school to be an accountant. I'm a first generation college student. And I worked in industry manufacturing. Uh, I'm from Michigan. So manufacturing, I think, is in our blood. So I started off in manufacturing and I worked for a privately held uh, global manufacturer, Guardian Industries. And I spent 11 years there. And the majority of that time, I was on the road. So I did a lot of international travel. And at one point, I realized, wow, I, a decade has gone by and I have not been home. And I wasn't sure if I was really making the impact that I wanted to make on whether it be a community or uh, in my career. And I decided that I wanted to try something different. And uh, given you know that I was a first-generation college student, I thought higher education would be a great spot for me to explore. So uh, I left Guardian and I went to the University of Michigan and I was there and I worked in there in, in IT. I've got an IT uh, accounting and, and finance background and operations. I was then recruited by the CEO at the time of Baker College to come and be the chief inf- information officer. And I would say sort of the rest is history. So my career has progressed at Baker. I think uh, on the 13th, I celebrated my 12-year anniversary. So here I am today, Dan. <laughs> That's quite a journey, though. Yes. And you work for the private sector first, so you have really good perspective of what that's like, and then, of course, in the, the college and university setting. Let's talk a, a little bit about the change that's been underway at Baker College for at least the last five years. What brought about the need to make change? You know, as, as you look across the, I would say, even the higher ed landscape, and I'll talk a little bit about this today, I would, you know, there's been lots of disruption in higher education. And, you know, for many, many years, you could go back over a century, higher education was pretty much 
consistent. It was a consistent industry. You would go, you would, it might change the type of person that was going. If it was a scholar back in the, the day to, you know, getting, um, you know, going for, for a career. But with online education, that has certainly disrupted the industry, I'd say. You know, we can also talk about the pandemic here, but with online education, it has really changed uh, what you need from a facility size. It's changed the type of student that you can attract and the, the type, you know, if a student really wants to come to the campus, they don't need to. With online education, when you look at what, what I would call the mega universities, you know, you've got Western Governors with over 150,000 students, you've got Southern New Hampshire, you know, all of those institutions, their reach goes beyond their state borders. And again, we've got students that attend those institutions. So as part of that, you could see that that trend was going to continue. And I think the pandemic exacerbated that trend. So as an institution, you really have to look at what does your footprint need to be if your future is going to be hybrid or online, as well as some on campus. So I'd say that's the the biggest disruption there. Yeah. So I, I think the entire educational landscape has been changing for a while now, as you mm-hmm. said, especially with online. People may not know this, but Baker College has been around for over 100 years. Yes, 1911. 1911. So that's that's quite a surprise to me when I first heard that. And I'm on the Board of Trustees. I didn't know that. And I was like, wow, that's, yeah. that's a long time. So And so over that time, you had developed multiple campuses and different mm-hmm. locations. You served a variety of students, or you serve a variety of students, mm-hmm. right? So you have everything from a law school to master programs, bachelor, you have technical programs and so forth. And then recently a decision was made to build in downtown Royal Oak, uh, which is something that Baker lacked was like a home base, I would say, because you have all these campuses. So just talk about that decision, that process, and then how it's going. As part of, you know, you mentioned five years ago, and it was a little before that, and it was the, the president before me. We, you know, as we were looking across all of our campus locations in Royal Oak, right? It, so I would say Royal Oak is the center of the three locations that we consolidated. So we had a presence in Clinton Township, Allen Park, and in Auburn Hills, and directly in the center was Royal Oak. So at that point, we were computing against ourselves. We're 17 miles away. We're offering the same program. So we went through a process to try to find a home in, uh, in a centrally located area. Royal Oak has been fantastic. They've been extremely welcoming. Certainly with the help of the Board of Trustees, trying to determine what is the best fit for the college. And then I mentioned, too, as we're looking at you know online education and sort of scaling down, those three locations consisted of you know almost 500,000 square feet for the college, and we didn't need that much space. So we've pared that down. We've got about 100,000 square feet in a nice walkable community, and uh, it's going well. I mean, our students absolutely love it. We had the Troy Chamber was in yesterday, and they absolutely love it. So uh, it, it's been a great transition for us. Yeah, I know. I like the fact that there's, I call it a home base, but mm-hmm. it's like you have your central location now. Yes. Right, that serves all of the other campus locations. And the the students are still, I would say, there's still a lot of people choosing the online education environment. And so maybe the actual locations of the campuses it's not as critical for them unless they have to take lab work, for example. Correct. Right. Is that kind mm-hmm. of your 
your thinking, your reasoning behind the way that you've modified the, the campus locations and, and this new Royal Oak facility? Yeah, I would say is, again, as we start to, you know, revise our curriculum and revise our program offerings, uh, we'll do more of that. So we'll go with more of a hybrid model. We'll have our students come in for labs, certainly clinicals, you know, you know with our health science students, which is uh, the largest population that we currently have today. But that is, that is the intent. And that is the intent as we look across all of our campuses. Uh, and location is important for us because of the community component. We're, you know, we have a campus in Owasso, we have a campus in Jackson, we've got a beautiful culinary institute here in Port Huron, uh, again, another welcoming and, and supportive community in Muskegon and Cadillac. So, you know, we're, we, we're represented well across the state. So even if there's a student uh, in, let's say, Traverse City, you know, they're less than an hour drive away to come and, and go to a lab. And the college is student-focused. And so they're, they've been paramount during this mm-hmm. whole transformation process. But there is another group that's been affected by it, and that's the employee base. So can you talk a little bit about how these changes have impacted the employees and how well they've accepted the changes? Well, uh, when, when I started off as, as president about a year, so I've been president for about a year and a half now. And one of the first things that you know, we did uh, was focus on what I would say our recommitment to students. And also our recommitment to culture. Studies will tell you that culture is going to make or break an institution. If you don't have a strong culture, you're more likely to fail, especially when we're in the state, in the process of trying to transform the institution. So we've spent considerable time on the culture. Uh, We've also, you know, as part of this transformation, we've actually added staff and we've tried to move staff so that they are in the right fit. So as Roles have changed and skill sets have changed. We want to make sure that we've got the right person in the right role. So those are things that we're also working on from a cultural standpoint. We're also, you know, employee recognition is very big for us. And maybe the biggest change, it was reinvigorating our commitment to students. And I'm not saying that we weren't committed to students in the past, but with our student-first philosophy, we any decision we make, the student is at the center of that decision. So even yesterday, I was in a meeting and, you know, as a leader, when you're trying to make these changes, when you hear people start to ask the question, well, is that really student first? It really makes you, I would say for me, it made me proud, but I'm happy that they're asking those questions because it is very easy for someone to make a decision about, a, even if it's a process, that decision about how that process should go, they think about themselves and how are, is it going to be efficient for me? But we really need to think, if we're going to change a process, how is that going to impact the student? Because the student is the core of what we do, and we are not going to be successful if our students are not. Yeah, and I've been very impressed with the, the team at Baker. Uh, I've been there for about five years now on various you know, levels of, of working at, at the board level. And um, so I've seen really dedicated people in the room, everywhere from the finance, the instruction, and so it's easy to make a philosophical change, I think, mm-hmm. when you have the backing of a great staff, right? Yes. Yeah. We, I would say I, I am extremely fortunate. Everyone is there for the right reason. They really want the students to succeed. They want the college to succeed. So I've been extremely fortunate. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, it's, it's great to have a supportive board and to have someone like you on our board that really, truly understands 
people and the impacts that we can make, especially when we talk about you and, and the EDA and just the community component. It, so again, you know, extremely appreciative and, and I think very fortunate to have a great team and a, and a great board. Well, sometimes I'm a fish out of water. So oh, I don't have on. a, you know, I'm, I don't have an education background. I have a business background, so that's how I tend to look at things. But thank you for that. Going forward, I know that one of the initiatives has been marketing. Branding mm-hmm. is always at the forefront with colleges and universities. What are some other things that uh, are potentials for growth for the college going forward? Well, uh, partnerships, I think, are, are something that we really need to get back and, and you know, work with our, our partners or actually, you know, start acquiring more partners. That's very common in the industry. Uh, how can we make sure that we're partnering with employers to, you know, to help fill the skills gap or to help shrink that skills gap and also to give them, you know, the graduates that they're looking for? Uh, you know, one of the things that as we're looking at disruption, I think one of the opportunities for us would be exploring a merger with another institution. I think you're going to see more and more of that, you know, that was starting to ramp up. Then the pandemic came and those in COVID funds really helped bolster some of the institutions. But again, I think there's an opportunity for us to grow strategically with a merger and then getting back into the community. So how can we support the community? Because I truly believe that the community also supports the institution. So even though we're a nonprofit private institution, I still view education as a public good. So how can we, you know, with our partnerships and within the community, you know, how does that impact growth and really looking at the types of programs that we offer and how we're offering those programs? So is it competency-based? Is it, you know, a hybrid? Is it, you know, quicker path to completion? Are we, uh, we're also looking at certificates and certifications, you know, again, as part of that skills gap. So if someone wants, you know, a six-week I just need to brush up on X. You know, we want to make sure that we have X there for them to do that. Before we wrap up, I wanted to thank you for the investment that the college has made in our area in Port Huron. We have a great culinary school here, great students. They, they come and contribute in the community by working at some of the restaurants, you know, perfecting their craft. Yes. So, and, and the location of the Culinary Institute couldn't be any better. I agree. Right? Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful there. So thank you for that. Really our pleasure. It is a beautiful location. I'm sitting there on the water and our students do love this community. And, you know, our dean, uh, Chef Tom and and, uh, Chef Paula, who's the program director there, they do a fantastic job. And they really, again, they take student first, maybe to the next level with their nurturing. They're very, they support the students. They're behind the students. And in some cases, you know, Paula acts as their, their mother. So we do love the Port Huron community, so thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you being on the uh, podcast with me today and talking about this journey that Baker College has been on and, and the future, so thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dan. This was fantastic. Thank you. As always, thank you to our EDA member organizations that have invested in our mission to grow the economy and create prosperity for people, companies, and communities. You can learn more at edascc.com. I'm Dan Casey, and I hope you'll Join me for the next podcast of Our Shoreline, Your Horizon. Thanks for listening. To hear more, visit the podcast page at WGRT.com or find Our Shoreline, Your Horizon on your favorite podcast app.